We're going to go to First Peter chapter number 4 again tonight as we continue on through our, our study through the book First Peter. Uh, hope in a world of hopelessness. We have hope. We have hope that the lost world doesn't have. I'm so very thankful for that. And we started in chapter number 4 last uh, Wednesday, and we're going to continue on with uh, some of the same thought, uh, basically the same title. Um, but I believe God has something for us tonight. I truly do believe that God has something for us tonight. And I'm glad that you're tuned in for that. First Peter chapter number four. Um, if you're there, Homewood, if you'd stand for the reading of the word of God, I appreciate that very much. We're going to begin in verse number one. We covered verses one through six uh, last Wednesday. Um, we're going to read on down, but we're, we're, going, to, we're going to begin in, in verse number one, kind of keep everything in context, remind us where we are. First Peter chapter number 4, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye, not, uh, that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> the series, Hope in a World of Hopelessness, and the title of the message is Making the Best of the Rest of your time part two <laughs> just doesn't take me a whole lot of thinking to come up with these titles i want to put up a lot of time into it that way we've already prayed be seated and we'll get right on into the message <clears throat> if you're tuned in last week remember that i said that you can't should have that there's no redos. We can't go back and do it all over again. We just have one life to live. Just one life to live. And there's no redos in this life. It's just not going to happen. What we have before us now is living out the rest of our time. We're just here to live out the rest of our time. And we need to make the best of the rest of our time. We need to do everything we can to make the best of the rest of our time. And last week we looked at a couple of things that will help us to do so in verses 1 through 3. 
We looked at how having a radical attitude towards sin will help things that we can't get weak with sin. We can't get soft on sin. We have to realize that we're sinners saved by the grace of God. And we can't just overlook sin. We can't get to a place where we think that God just looks down and winks at sin or where God has finally gotten old and senile and He says, well, that's just the way they are and that's just the way they're going to live until I send my son back and I understand what's going on because God's not that way. The Bible says that He's angry with the wicked every day. He's a holy God and He said, be ye holy for I am holy. And we're supposed to live a life like that. But we're not going to do that if we don't have a radical attitude towards sin. It seems really weird in the, in the day and time that we live in. It seems really weird to others that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ that we would abstain from this and abstain from that or that we would go to church every time the doors are open when the doors are open uh, that we would read our Bibles every day that we would spend time praying that we would give money to God all those things are very very odd very very weird uh, to to those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and especially when we start talking about well I don't talk like that and I don't watch that and I don't look at those things and we don't go to those places then it really gets strange. I, I mean, but we have to have that radical attitude no matter how everybody else lives. And we do that because Jesus suffered for us because of sin. Jesus went through what he went through when he was here as a man, the beatings and the mockings and being nailed to the cross and shedding of his blood and all that he went through because of our sin. So we can't take sin lightly. It was sin it was sin was the reason that he came that he might that he might die for the sin of mankind it's the reason that he went through all that he went through and that should really prompt us to strive to live in the victory over sin that we've already been given as believers we we when we trusted Jesus Christ we were given victory over sin and if Jesus Christ died for our sin it just does not make sense that we'd continue to go ahead and just live in sin to wallow in sin act like it's not a big deal whatsoever when it is a big deal so we have to have this radical attitude attitude towards sin and in verses 4 through 6 we looked at how we need to have a long-suffering attitude uh, toward the lost, those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, those that don't understand what we do and why we do that. We need to be long-suffering with them. They, they, they don't think like we do. In fact, they're not even able to think the way that we do because they've never been born again by the Spirit of God. They don't have the Holy Ghost of God living in them, so they cannot see the things the way that we do because uh, the Holy Ghost does not, does not illuminate those things for them. You know, when someone that does not know Christ as their Savior wants to talk bad about how you exercise your faith, don't let that ever deter you for li for, uh, from living for God. Well, how come, preacher? Because they are going to give an account one day, just like you're going to give an account one day, to the one that will judge both the quick, those that are saved, and, and the dead, those that are unsaved. And if we are saved and we're living like we're saved, you already know this, but if we are saved and we're living like we are saved, we're going to be judged by those that are not saved. There will be those that think that we are just, that we have gone off the deep end, that we're just religious fanatics or whatever the case may be. There's a nominal Christianity that's out there today, isn't there? 
Come on, there's a nominal Christianity that nobody notices, nobody cares, and it's not a big deal, and you wear your cross necklace, and you have your little fish on the back of the car, and oh yes, and I'm a Christian, and you, but, but I'm telling you, when we begin to live the way that God truly wants us to live, uh, people are going to have something to say about that. But our responsibility, no matter what anyone might say, is to live according to God's Word. It's to walk in the Spirit that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's very, very important that we do that. Then now here in verse number 7, we're told that we should live the rest of our time here on earth with the end in mind. Um, But the end of all things is at hand. Let me stop here for just a couple of seconds. I was talking to someone earlier today uh, about that, to an extent, a little bit. Um, You you know, really as we read our Bible, we can see things kind of unfolding, can't we? No, no, for the end times. No, no, the prophecy is there, isn't it? I mean, we can see how we can see how things are being set up to where if somebody stepped up on the scene and said, I have the answer for everything, that everybody would look at him, oh, great, let's set him up, let's hold him up high. Come on, it's setting the stage for the Antichrist to come in. It is setting the stage for that. And we could go on about that. And so we think, man, we got we to gotta get in this prophecy thing. We got to know what's going on. We, we need to, we, what we need to do, preachers, we just need to buckle down. We need to study prophecy because Jesus is coming back and we need to know everything about that. Well, well, wait, wait, stay with me here because we're told that we should live the rest of our time here on this earth with the end in mind when we should do that. The apostle Paul uh, put it this way. He says, as, as ye see the day approaching, over there in the book of Hebrews, as you see the day approaching, and, and that day is coming. James said like this, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. And he, it's coming. I mean, that time's coming. The judge is going to be here. He's going to judge the quick and the dead. I mean, that time is coming in our life. And right here, Peter writes, but the end of all things is at hand. So they're all saying the same thing. Well, they're saying, preacher, Jesus is coming. No, no, no. I, I'm telling you, that the, the time is near. The end is near. Well, there's going to come a day that life the way that we know it, and I'm not talking about the, because of the coronavirus. I'm talking about life the way that we know it is going to be completely different because Jesus is coming back. That is going to happen. And so he says there, be ye therefore sober. And when he talks about being sober, it's not talking about how most people might think of it today in our society. Uh, don't be drinking. You need to stay sober. Now, when he's talking about that, he's, what he's saying, he's saying be of a, be of a right mind. Uh, be, of a, be of a sound mind. Or, or exercise self-control. I mean, decide that you're going to do what you should do. Be of the right mind. Don't, don't go crazy about this thing. Don't, don't, let things, don't let things push you over the edge. Man, I'm telling you, preacher, all this stuff about COVID-19, and I'm just scared to death, and I, know what, I don't know what to do, and, 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 and maybe Jesus is going to come back. Look, we, we, we need to be of a right mind. We need to be of a steady mind. We need to, be, we need to, be, to exercise uh, exercise self-control and keep doing keep doing what God would have us to do. That's the opposite 
the opposite of, of that being of a sober mind, be ye therefore sober, would be hysteria, and it would be frenzy, and it would be mania, and that's pretty much what's going on right now, isn't it? Come on, if you're watching the news, it just seems like the media just continues to want us to get us more stirred up, and more stirred up, and more stirred up, and more worried, and more fearful, but God has not given us the spirit of fear, amen, and so we, can't, we, need, to be, we need to be sober, we need to be of a right mind. Uh, one commentator says that this is speaking against going on the prophecy mania. No, he says that this right here, when he says that, but, but, but the end of all things is at hand, be ye therefore sober, uh, sober. So he says that it's, that it's speaking against going on a prophecy mania. It, it's talking about, it's right here, it's talking about everything coming to an end. When everything is over, when everything is done, when everything's complete. When we have reached the end, but we have to be careful, excuse me, we have to be careful to not go into some kind of frenzy over biblical prophecy. We know it's there and, and I love it, but, but we need to be careful not to go in some kind of frenzy about biblical prophecy and lose focus on now, on now. Make the best of the time that you have now. Make the best of the rest of your time now. And so he says this, pretty much here's what he says. You need to watch and pray. Watch and pray. <clears throat> Do you remember um, there in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion of Christ? What, what, was, it that, uh, what was it that Jesus told Peter? Oh, oh yeah. He said, watch and pray. You need to watch and pray. No, I'm telling you, something big was happening. No, 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 something big was fixing to happen. And Jesus told Peter, he said, watch and pray. And, and now Peter's talking about the end of time, and he says the very same thing. Come on, Peter did learn some things along the way, didn't he? Hallelujah. I'm very thankful. I'm, if he learned, maybe we can learn a little bit. And, and now Peter is going into some, and, and now Peter, oh, probably get this. And now Peter is going into some deep dissertation about the end times that will leave us all sitting and pondering for hours about the profundity of it all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, nope. What he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is really very simple and very practical. Preacher, I want to know the deep things of the Bible. I'm not against the deep things of the Bible. I'm thankful for every nugget that God gives me along the way as I read the Bible. And I'm not against this. Stay with me here. I'm not against the deep things of the Bible. No, 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 no. I'm not against that. But I'm telling you, what he gives us here really is just very simple and very practical. And really and truly, most of the Word of God is just like that. It's very simple and it's very practical. But people don't put it to people don't put it to practice. But I believe we ought to we ought to take heed here and we ought to practice what we are being taught from the word of God. What he says is simple, it's practical. And in fact, think of it this way. Think of it this way. No, no, think of it this way. We're sitting with Peter. Think of it this way. We're sitting with Peter and somebody asks him, Hey Peter. Since we're since we're where we are right now and, and the end is near. And since Jesus is coming soon, how can we make the best of the rest of our time here on earth? 
I mean, it's a pretty good question. If I do say so myself. So let's look at what Peter says about all of this. Now look at verse number 8 there. It says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So we know when it's talking about charity there, it's talking about love. I mean, real love. I mean, you know, real love. Not Hollywood, ooey-gooey, feeling, goosebump type love. It's talking about real love. Fervent charity among yourselves. Now hold it. Stay with me. He's talking to born-again believers. He's talking to Christians here. Here we are in the middle of the fourth chapter of the book of 1 Peter. And Peter is now speaking on brotherly love for the third time. He speaks about it in chapter number 1. He speaks about it in chapter number 3. And now he's speaking about it in chapter number 4. Brotherly love. And he's talking to us. He's talking to believers. Talking to the church. Um, And he's talking about love. And it seems to be number one. What are we supposed to do? We're in end times. What are we supposed to do? Have fervent love for one another. He says, and above all things. Have fervent charity among yourselves. Can I tell you, as time gets closer, of Jesus coming back, the devil's going to fight harder. And you know where he's going to fight? He's going to fight in the church houses. He is going to fight the people of God. He is going to try to spread disunity every way that he can. He is going to try. He is going to try to. He is going to try to make God look bad by using God's people. No, no, no. I guarantee you. He said, above all things, while we're waiting for Jesus to come back, first and foremost, we need to be showing fervent love to one another. That's what he tells us right here. Not just in word. Oh, love you, brother. Love you. Love you, sister. Love you. Love you. No, no, no. Not just in word, but in action. Love is a verb. It's not just some feeling. It's an action. We need to be fervently doing what love is according to the word of God. Well, what is love according to the word of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll not turn over there. Most of you know it. Hopefully some of you have it, have, even have it memorized. What is love? Well, love is long-suffering. That means it doesn't write people off. It means we, we, we try to help as much. And, and, and love does not envy. That just means we don't resent others or we're not jealous of other people. No, 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 no. If somebody's being blessed, we rejoice with them. We don't resent because they've been blessed. We rejoice. Well, well, I wish that. I mean, I could use that too. Well, if you had a different attitude, you might even get some of that. It's a very good possibility. But we, no, 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 perfect love does not envy, and it does not vaunt itself. Vaunt itself, what's that all about? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't boast. It doesn't brag. It doesn't lift itself up. It doesn't promote itself. It does not push itself off on somebody else. Perfect love is not puffed up, thinking too highly of self. Love does not behave itself unseemly inappropriately, unbecoming. Come on, we're talking about Christians here. We, it, no, no, love, love does not behave itself unseemly, inappropriately, unbecoming of Christ, tasteless, uh, rude, improper. Love doesn't act like that. Somebody say amen right there. 
It's absolutely the fact. I guarantee you. No, 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 no. Love seeks not its own. That means love's not selfish. Uh, love's not easily provoked. It doesn't have a hair trigger. It, it, no, no, no. It's not going to go off on somebody just because they, they, they happen to say something that rubbed them the wrong way. No, 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 no. Love doesn't think evil. Doesn't think evil of one another. Well, I'll tell you how I treat them. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for them. I'll tell you. No, no, no. Love doesn't do that. And love bears all things. It takes on all things. And love believes all things that are good and right and proper and righteous. And love has hope in all things of, of, of what God has for us. And love endures all things. Love is not quick to throw in the towel. No, love is not prone to quit. No, well, things just aren't going my way. So I'm not going to go to church anymore. And I'm not going to put up with that anymore. And I'm not going to befriend them anymore. And I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. Because I'm telling you, it just didn't seem to worked out the way that I thought it should. Well, that's not love practiced right. I don't mind saying that again, and I would. That is not love practiced right. Come on. Love endures all things. Look, the world needs to see believers loving one another. There's, there's, There's been way too much trouble between believers when God says it should not be that way. It just should not be that way. Come on, come on. A lot of y'all have been around in churches for a long, long time, and you've seen, you've seen acts that weren't of love. As we traveled around in evangelism and were a lot of different churches, we were in some churches that, well, you didn't see much love, acts of love, whatever the case may be. I, no, 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 I'm telling you. So we here at Riverside Baptist Church, we ought to be doing our best as the time draws near to 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 love one another the way that God says that we should. No. No. <clears throat> but love also covers a multitude of sins. God says that in verse number 8. And above all things, have fervent charity, love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Oh, what, what? preacher? What, what, are you, what are you talking about there? That's well, not what I'm talking about. It's what God's talking about. But, but okay, okay, come on. Where love is not manifest, listen to me, please. Where love is not manifest in such a way that, it, that it's talking about here, where we're loving one another, when it's not manifest like that, when it's not practiced like that, well, then um, there will be a multitude of sins that become manifest. When it's not practiced, there will be strife and hate and jealousy and envy and lust and lying and backbiting and backstabbing and malice and gossip, won't there? Oh yeah, no, no, when it's not practiced right. But biblical love, when it's practiced in the right way, biblical love, when it's practiced the way that God says, it, 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 it covers, it, it dispels, it, it, it hides those sins that would be manifest because, I mean, we're doing things the way that God would have us to do things. And so that way the flesh doesn't take control and God gets honor and glory from all of that. Sure. Come on, do you understand here? It's much more important that you have fervent charity among yourselves than it is for you to have the latest prophecy tidbits. It's more important. I'm, I'm not preaching against prophecy. I'm just saying this is much more important than knowing all about the next, the next uh, uh, a big prophetic event, which truly is the rapture of the church. Anyway, let's move on. What else do we need to make the best of the rest of our time here on earth? Look at verse number nine. 
use hospitality, hospitality, hospitality one to another without grudging. So let's put that under the heading of uh, care. Care. Care for one another. Hospitality without grudging. You know, this is something that's brought up a lot for us uh, New Testament believers. Hospitality. Use hospitality. It, it really is. When, when, when Christians were traveling back in those days, place to place, town to town, uh, they found it to be much better to stay with other believers instead of uh, staying in worldly inns that were available it just seemed much better because they were Christian and they were different and they were uh, pretty much attacked by those that weren't Christian and, and didn't live and didn't believe the way they believed. They found it a lot better to stay with other believers. And I, I really do believe this. I believe that we as Christians, I think, well, to have our homes up open to other Christians. I think, well, to, I think, well, to have that, that, that spirit of hospitality. And, and, and at the very same time, believers, believers shouldn't be freeloaders. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But there are times that those, are, that, those that are traveling need some place to, uh, need some place to stay. And, and there are some that need to be accommodated by other believers at times. We try to practice that kind of hospitality when we're given the opportunity. Come on, don't go to sleep on me here. Don't go to sleep on me. This isn't a little thing. Now, I'll say it again, this is not a little thing. The Apostle Peter is writing, and he's telling us how to best use our time that we have here. And that's part of it. We're supposed to do that. But we're supposed to do it without grudging. Without grudging. Entertaining folks. Showing hospitality in your home can be a little um, pricey. can be a little expensive. It can cost you money. Oh, you're going to keep people, entertain people, help people there. It's, it can be pricey. And uh, it, can even be a, it can even be an inconvenience at times to entertain like that. It, it, can, even be a, it can even be a burden at times that we would do that. So, I mean... If you're helping somebody that way, don't complain if, if those staying happen to overstay just a little bit. Just go ahead and be hospitable. Okay, if they're overstaying just a little bit, you might just have devotion time with them. And, and then you can uh, have devotion about Proverbs chapter 25, verse 17, where it says, Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. Be a good devotion time for somebody wanting to stay a little bit long. Hopefully you brought a sense of humor tonight anyway. We are supposed to use hospitality one to another without grudging. That's a good, that's a good thing. But let's move on. Look at verse number 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, no, no, we're talking about making the best of our time, the rest of our time that we have here. Here's what he says. Stay with me. Here's what he says. Um, serve. Serve. Serve God. Serve. Use your gift 
as a good steward of God's enabling. Be, be good stewards of God's grace. <clears throat> as God shows you grace, allow that to enable you to show others grace. Serve people. Serve the Lord. According to the first part of that verse, God enables you. He enables you. We got saved by His grace. The Holy Ghost of God lives in us. And He enables us. Because uh, we have received the gift. And it's a gift that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. And He, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us to show God's grace to others if we so allow Him to do that. If we allow Him to do that. He enables us to show grace to others. If we allow Him to. I, I pretty much have the feeling here that if the Holy Spirit of God had the Apostle Peter pinned this down this way, that uh, God must expect us to, um, God must expect us, expect us to show His grace to other people. Uh, even uh, if it goes against the grain a little bit. That we would minister to others. Because the last part of that verse says, even so minister or serve the same one to another. <clears throat> there are those Christians who uh, very obviously and very visibly serve one another and serve others. They're there. Then there are some that their service to others just is not obvious. And then there are those that just do not serve anyone. But they're pretty quick to receive service from others. It's all receiving and no giving. The, the Bible teaches us here to make the best of the rest of our time by serving others. By being in ministry. If someone were to describe you, if someone, I want you to think with me here, think with me, think with me, come on, you, you on your couch, wake up and, and think with me here for just a minute, will you? If someone was, were to describe you, would the term servant be anywhere in their description of you? servant I think what he's trying to tell us here is, is is don't get so concerned about the future that you don't do anything with your life today get busy serving today do something for God today do something for others today 
And hallelujah, with things opening back up, and as they open on back up in our society, determine that you're going to do something. Determine to go to the nursing homes and come out for knock-a-block and tell somebody about Jesus Christ and use your gift of serving in the church. I mean, get on a bus route. I mean, we have a route that doesn't even have a crew. We need some servants. Decide to serve God. Look at verse 11. Come on, it's the last verse. Get excited about that, will you? Verse 11, it says this. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he says, do this. Make the best of your time. Do this. Um, I use this word. Preach. Preach. Come on, pretty much everybody can preach the gospel to other individuals. Preach. Tell others about Jesus Christ. Help others to understand the word of God. Be there. Let, let him speak as of the oracles of God. When we speak on the behalf of God, it should always reflect the truth of God's word. We're not asked just to give our opinions about things. It should always reflect the truth of God's word. I am to preach the word of God. And when I give my opinion, it needs to be declared as my opinion. I try very hard to do that when I'm preaching. If my opinion pops up, I try to let people know this is just my opinion. But I am to preach the Word of God. Absolutely so. Yeah. yeah. And we're to preach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Thus saith the Lord. Preach the Word. Everything that's in that book. Supposed to do that. Well, preacher, I tell you what, there's churches out there that don't do that. They seem to draw a bigger crowd. Yeah, but they're cheating their people. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm telling you the truth. They're cheating the people that are there. Because we need to know all of that book. We need to know all of it. What we do with it after we know it, that's between us and God. I understand that completely. But we need to hear it all. There were some, as all this started six weeks ago, and we were already live streaming some, but there were some that saying, now as you begin to live stream and, and people are watching, and what you need to do, you need to be very careful about what you say on live stream. You need to be very careful and don't address certain subjects on live stream and all these different things. I think I may have crossed that line once or twice already in these few weeks. And it's not, that I, it's not that I intended to, man, I'm going to tell the whole world all these things. No, it's just that if God gives me something, I can't but say it. I have to say it. God says, okay, preach this passage of Scripture. Okay, man, absolutely so. 
And we don't have to be fearful of that because he says, you're going to make the best the rest of your time, preach. Now, person to person, we're preaching the gospel to people with great hopes that they get saved by the grace of God. And it should always reflect the truth of God's word. When we're teaching somebody, we should be teaching them the oracles of God. We should be teaching them the the word of God because that's what's going to change their life. See, the meaning of this is not just limited to, to preachers. If you've professed to be a believer, these are, these are those, um, I'm sorry, it, it, there are those that are around you, whether, whether you're on the job or you're at school or it's extended family. If you profess to be a believer, there are people that are around, that are around you that see you as God's messenger. No, they may not ever see it that way or say it, say it that way. But they see you as God's, I'm I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. And so they see you somewhat as a messenger. So we need to be speaking the truth. We we need to be telling them what God has to say. And as a child of God, please please don't forget this, stay with me here. As a child of God, you represent the Lord. And as you talk to others about Him, your speaking should be done with that in mind. That you're representing the Lord. Well, how come, preacher? Why is that? Well, the, the second part there in verse number 11 says that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's the reason why. That God might be glorified. That God would get the glory. I don't know how many hundreds of times I've said it, but um, I'll say it again. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. This is His church. We're His people. It's all about Him. And when it, comes, when it becomes about us, how we want to live, what we want in life, what we want to do, We've just pretty much pushed him out of the way. Doesn't make good sense. The one that died for our sin, the one that saved our soul, the one that's going to keep us from going to hell, really doesn't make a lot of sense. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Making the best of the rest of your time here on earth, it really should include these things so that God might be glorified in all that you do. Look, look, no, 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 I told you I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit. But there's a lot of things, and you could go ahead and start writing them down you probably would be ashamed to. There's a lot of things that you could be doing that do not honor and glorify God. And we do those things, and at times we just, we just act as though, come on, stay with me here. Stay with me. I'm really, I really am trying to quit here. I'm at the end. When we do things that go against God, when we do those things, we know that it's against God. And we go ahead and do those things. Basically, here's what we're doing. 
we're acting like there's no God. Oh, come on. Every believer, every believer would pretty much say, yes, there's a God in heaven, and yes, He watches everything that I do, and He listens to every conversation, and He knows all of my thoughts, and He knows even everything that I do in private and secret. He knows all of these things. He knows all those things. I mean, somebody, a, professing, a professing believer would, would say those types of things. And then when we, when we choose to just go ahead and do what we want to do, what we are doing what we're doing, in essence, is we're pretty much just saying there ain't no God. No, it's not, it's not that they would just outright say that. There ain't no God, so I'm going to do this. No, I mean, they profess that there is a God, but then when they go ahead and do whatever they want to do instead of doing what God would have them to do, pretty much in essence, they're just saying there ain't no God. But there is one, isn't there? And he says that we should be making the best of the rest of the time that we have here on this earth. That God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus. And I love the, the, no, no, the last of verse 11. I told you I'm going to quit. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're making the best of the rest of our time here on earth. That God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let me ask you a question, and I'm done. Let me ask you a question. Does your life reflect Jesus Christ? I'm giving you a chance to think about it for a minute. Does your life reflect Jesus Christ? And if not, why not make a trip to the altar tonight? Let's go ahead and make a trip to the altar. Because God is the one that can help you to get things in order that the rest of your life might be lived for Him. Maybe there's some things that need to change in your life. Why not go ahead and find an altar tonight and let God have His way. Making the best of the rest of your time here on earth. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have the Bible. We're thankful that we have the precious Holy Spirit and that He is always there and helps us, Lord, as we listen. We're thankful that we have Your divine direction. And Father, that You continue to work on us in spite of us and You want to use us way beyond, way beyond what we think that we could be used. You want to use us. The devil tries to lie to us. He even tells us we can't be used. But we know that. We know that's a lie. Because it's not about us. It's about you using us. Working through us. We're so thankful that you're willing to do that in spite of us. But Lord, it is uh, important that we take heed 
to these simple practical things that you tell us that we might be performing your will for our lives. And I have no idea how you may have spoken to hearts tonight, but I do. I encourage those that have listened, those that you have spoken to, to make an altar, to get to an altar, to do what you would have them to do. I think it's very important. Lord, I pray that they'll do that. That they'll just let you have your will done in their lives. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. And we pray and ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet. The altars are open. You need to come. We want you to come. We want you to come. Absolutely so. Need to make an altar there at home? Make an altar at home. You let God have His way. Whatever He wants. So very important. Let God have His way.